Welcome to the Pocket Podcast. I'm David Yee, Fujin Theatre's Artistic Director here in Toronto, Canada. Today is November 25th, and Genesis 2022 Pocket Conference and Festival is live on the west coast of Canada in Vancouver, British Columbia. Our host partner in Vancouver is Vancouver Asian Canadian Theatre, hosting from the Roundhouse Community Theatre. For more information on VACT, go to VACT.ca, V-A-C-T dot C-A. Next up, we have got Yuri Chang. Um, we first met when I was still a theater baby, and I still remember our days at Playwrights Theater Center and, you know, eating chicken from prime time and talking about all the things. So, yeah, glad to have you back. Thank you. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's a real pleasure for me to be here because uh, I was uh, fortunate to be part of a panel called uh, Vancouver Theatre on the Edge uh, with uh, Adrian Wong and with Chris Kachalian, who'll be speaking next after me. And there are a bunch of uh, Vancouver cohorts who went to Toronto for the very first Asian Canadian Theatre Conference hosted by Fujen. And that was in 2010. So 12 years on, here we are. Some new faces and some familiar faces. Um, I'm also uh, quite uh, delighted to, to talk about a, a production that I don't think has had enough uh, critical uh, discussion around it. It's quite an amazing production um, that featured Derek Chan in April Liang, and that was co-produced by Fu Jen uh, from Toronto and Hong Kong Exile in Vancouver. So um, yeah, just here we go. Uh, what, what you see above here are just a number of, of photos that will be in the background. I have them on a 25 second rotation, so we can talk about them later as well. Uh, so in Vancouver, a city with a large Asian-Canadian demographic, a critical and emerging body of transmedial theater is characterized by diasporic, autobiographical content, digital technology, and cinematic framing. One work in particular uh, I'll speak about is No Foreigners, uh, written by David Yee and staged and directed by Milton Lim of Hong Kong Exile. Uh, this production uh, provokes what I call the self-objective eye, a term I use when describing the two-way gaze that situates performers both as objects of uh, audience gaze and as critically self-reflexive uh, subjects. So the paper today is called No Foreigners, Staging the Present, Future, and Past in Asian Canadian Theatre. Uh, no Foreigners, a transmedia theatre work co-produced by Toronto's Fujian Asian Canadian Theatre Company and two Vancouver-based theatre companies, Hong Kong Exile and Theatre Conspiracy. Uh, both at the level of form and content, the work differs substantially from plays in which audiences focus on dialogue that happens between two characters or more. In theatrical realism, a genre often credited to Russian pedagogue director Konstantin Stanislavsky, the presentation of speech and verbal interaction often mimics dialogue found in, quote, real-life situations. Um, engaging in realism as, as a form while tackling social political issues is an aspect of this Asian Canadian production, production which actually diverts from um, natural or realism. This may seem ironic given the relationship between realism as a practice and its relationship with both the legacy and dissemination of Eurocentric ideologies of which Asian Canadians um, in the theatre world uh, do participate in. Working within well-trodden genres uh, may well provoke useful when speaking to the masses, but also provoke detrimental when attempting to reveal and counter the deeply embedded prejudices found in Canadian theatre structures. 
The latter manifests as social and cultural biases, funding uh, criteria and or expectations about artistic form, content and delivery. No Foreigners unfolds in the present, future and past, often vacillating between time and space while relinquishing any loyalty to any theatrical convention or audience expectations. Written by David E. and staged by Milton Lim, the play uses a series of digital technology to tell its story. One of the primary features of realism, as discussed above, is the reliance on what has become known as a suspension of disbelief, a term that often refers to a practice whereby audiences accept the play as if it were happening in real time, believing as such that the actors portraying the actual lives of characters on stage such a process that has been argued allows audiences to feel deeply and empathize with the characters on stage. But another argued allows audiences to, um, another albeit negative consequence of realism could be the lack of critical distance and reflection promoted during fictional constructions which come with their own biases. So no foreigners issues the genre-based conventions of realism and its attendant suspension of disbelief. Performed by Derek Chan in April Young who both adorn headsets and microphones during the show, No Foreigners is a more Brechtian in tone and function. The mise-en-scene is practically while also fulfilling the production's futuristic design and theme. The male protag uh, protagonist, voiced by Derek Chan, is heard on the loudspeaker, but seen portrayed as a doll-shaped figure on the large screen hanging on the back wall of the Black Box Theater. The original production took place at the Vancouver East Cultural Center. As such, Chan's work is not to be performed as the character, but to ensure the figurines, which are filmed and projected onto the screen, are placed before the video camera and the series of desks adorned by the computer screens as well. The female character, there are several ranging in terms of age and relationship to the protagonist, are also portrayed as static doll-shaped figurines. April Young animates the voices, particularly in the dark, so action is transferred from the stage to the screen while the figurines are seen alongside the written dialogue. The actors' voices transpose over the action or non-action on screen, while audiences are prompted to read the text in English in a manner strikingly similar to reading surtitles in foreign films. In presenting the non-action in this manner, No Foreigners addresses pressing issues such as citizenship, cultural belonging, and social expectations, as well as stereotyping in a manner that demands its audiences to engage critically with the fabrication of the form and the work itself. The effort required to read dialogue on screen um, engages the senses and reminds audiences of the production's artifice. Additionally, this darkness at times feels somewhat discomforting, especially for uh, uh, performers and, uh, and uh, audiences alike. The absence of a focus on the performers asks audiences to wrestle with the reality, which at times feels rather incomplete, as if the actors are being positioned in a secondary supporting role to the actual technology. As probably intended, I cannot help but experience this reconfigured theater space on a critical level. As Ray Chow explains how such a phenomenon may unfold, she suggests, quote, staging remains an abstract operation, and it is such abstractness, which is also a quality of incompleteness and openness, that lends staging its political potential at the same time that it signifies the mediatization of reflexivity. Staging shows theoretical practice to be an always in process, unquote. In this observation, Chow draws on any fine connection between aesthetics, ideology, and sociopolitical values embedded in these particular art forms. The coupling of digital technology with highly reflexive dialogue creates a palpable self-objective eye, bringing sharp focus to the marginal status of Asian heritage characters and narratives within the larger Euro-American and Euro-Canadian 
media frame. Another feature of the production is the framing within the Sino-friendly context of the, quote, Chinese Hmong, a, compl a complex usually built in North America to serve the tastes and communities of a diasporic Asian clientele. The Chinese mall may contain supermarkets such as TNT, while other boast brand name stores and luxury services for the most discerning shoppers. In either case, the purpose of the mall is to provide a sense of familiarity where Chinese can be spoken freely with like-minded individuals. At the top of the play, the male protagonist is seen looking to buy an expensive Hermes bag for his girlfriend. At first, an elderly and matriarchal merchant refuses to interact with the male customer, calling him a foreigner because he cannot speak Chinese and does not fit into the Asian cultural milieu. The male customer responds abruptly exclaiming, I'm not a foreigner, I'm Canadian, which seems doubly ironic given the various prejudices that Asian Canadians have faced in North America, having been historically positioned as outsiders or quote foreigners. By clearly denying that he is a foreigner, the character pushes back against his historical exclusion while drawing attention to another potential conundrum. In the Chinese mall, the protagonist is not a foreigner because of his Asian ancestry. Instead, he is seen as a foreigner because he does not speak any Cantonese. And in some regards, the protagonist is temporarily aligned or misaligned with the real outsider, i.e. the European Canadians, who temporarily are visitors in this mall and its discrete rules and regulations. The framing of foreigners cannot be extricated from the genre of the production, as no foreigners follow some of the tenets, whether intentionally or not, of Bertolt Brecht's epic theater. A description of epic theater's principled trait reveals how German director Bertolt Brecht constructed a theatrical aesthetic that was uniquely supportive of a larger social political concerns. First and foremost is a reminder and rendering of a familiar situation as strange, quote, the point of such estrangement is to allow for rational uncovering, endukung, usually translated as a discovering of conditions that have become automatized and thus unnoticeable, even as the conditions precipitate a crisis, unquote, Chow. It could be said that for many Chinese merchants, the mall is a space where language, food, and nostalgia coalesce into a temporary and architectural community. And yet the mall is presented as a, quote, strange place for the English-speaking Asian-Canadian protagonist, who is treated with disregard and mild hostility. The exclusion he experiences in this context provides a discovery in himself, results in his acquisition of multiple dialects, martial arts skills, and cultural knowledge obtained through the consumption of Asian cinema. Arguably, that the temporary exclusion he feels is reminiscent of the much harsher exclusionary measures promulgated by the Canadian and American government during the time of the Chinese Exclusion Acts and head tax. Even in the comfort and safety of his family home, the protagonist is seen speaking with his own mother, and when faced with Cantonese, he deliberately asks for English, please, English. She quickly responds by telling him, you never practice your Cantonese, this humorous disagreement borders on the stereotypical, evoking the kind of intergenerational dynamics often unfolding between immigrant parents and their Canadian offspring. Obviously, the process of losing one's mother tongue is part of the sacrifice of Canadian-born children of European and Asian immigrants, particularly of those who come from countries where the dominant language is not English. As such, issues such as language loss and pr process of naturalization are addressed in no foreigners, a play on words that suggests the historical exclusion of Chinese more broadly, and the ironic situation that the male protagonist finds himself within the Chinese-speaking mall. A fair amount of Cantonese is spoken in the play, and surtitles offer the translation accordingly, 
While the creators of the show are hopeful that some or many of their theater audiences arrive with these Cantonese language skills, they cannot be certain of this fact. As such, No Foreigners operates as a mediator for the, quote, Chinese mall culture, though its stark use of transmedia elements and translation, as well as surtitles. No Foreigners embodies other traits of epic theater as described by Ray Chow. Second is the presence of a stranger whose appearance on the scene transforms the dynamics involved in the interior. Positioned in the doorway between the inside and the outside, the stranger turns the happenings inside into an astonishing sight with bits and pieces of visual information caught as though they were frozen in a still photogram or tableau, unquote. The metaphor of the stranger and related themes of inclusion and exclusion are filtered through the many layers of the production. When the protagonist appears on the scene, meaning the Chinese mall, he is first seen at the doorway of the purse shop where he is denied access to the expensive, apparently exclusive Hermes bag. While simultaneously being referred to as a foreigner, an outsider, his being is given a transient quality and literally and figuratively floats between the insider and outsider status, echoing the phrase once used to describe immigrants living between two worlds. No Foreigners also presents ample visual information as described by Chow, as the figurines are always still and frozen in time. No Foreigners also engages in visual storytelling, replacing fleshy actors with plastic figurines. The latter can be said to embody a tableau akin to the petrified dollhouse complete with Asian Canadian her Asian heritage characters at the center of the action. There's only one moment in the 55 minute show when actor Derek Chan is seen performing under the house lights. Now as a karaoke singer and Cantonese pop star, the character furthers his epic quality of the show, interacting with audiences and breaking any potential disbelief. Despite this relatively brief encounter and humorous one, out of it, the moment is meant to be seductively tongue-in-cheek. In comparison with the karaoke singer, the figurines now seem even more non-human and disembodied. Even though the toy figurines move away from the genre of realism, their static nature also manages to provoke imaginative and visceral responses from the audience, at least this one. Though seemingly unrepresentative of lived experience, the figurines feed into an abstraction that just transcends cultural differences while minimizing any essentialization of Asian heritage bodies on stage. Last but not least, the figurines are not unlike puppets, and it is their whimsical plastic materiality that makes heavy themes of exclusion and loss and death quite pal palatable. Yi's writing ensures the audience know they are witnessing a culturally specific, i.e. Cantonese story. Incorporating humor and a high level of self-awareness into the dialogue ensures a de deliberate engagement with the self-objective eye, a term I utilize to describe not only the two-way gaze between characters, uh, but also the self-determining, self-reflexive agency found in these Asian-Canadian protagonists. As mentioned above, the projected dialogue above playing space is highly reminiscent of surtitles found at the bottom of the screen in international films. Surtitles offer necessary translations, specifically in countries where the dominant language is not English, and where access to English language market is both desired and required for successful reception. On more than one level, No Foreigners fights for the inclusion in the media frame, as proposed by Ray Chow, even though the frame it fulfills isn't the Hollywood silver screen that looms large over popular culture in North America. And here I divert quickly to, to, uh, to reflect on a discussion I had with Tetsuro during the lunch break, where we were speaking about uh, how the, some of the characters in uh, In's Choice, Kim's Convenience, had breaking the, the media frame in Hollywood. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically about Simu Liu and also um, characters who began here in Vancouver 
in humble beginnings such as Sandra Oh, whose family live in Vancouver and who's become now an international phenomenon. Um, it's not of, of surprise now that in 2020, the two most recognized uh, figures in uh, Hollywood were Simu Liu and um, Sandra Oh. Um, instead, No Foreigners simply offers two Canadian actors of Asian heritage to participate in the professional Euro-Canadian theater scene, a feat that has until recently seemed historically difficult. By using digital technology to subvert expectations of the realist genre, No Foreigners achieves two accomplishments. The show creates a space for Asian Canadian characters and narratives, and two, the show cultivates a critical dialogue with its audiences as it gestures to the international themes of historical exclusion, media representation, and cultural commodification. To be certain, the digital technology broadens audiences' expectations by shifting the focus from the stage to the screen and then back again. The temporal and cinematic device layers the live performance with a quality that caters to a digital generation increasingly familiar with technologies and framing devices of animation, CGI, and transmedial performance. Beyond the form or interdisciplinary format, No Foreigners offers a cine-friendly narrative and plot device that moves beyond its Eurocentrism, characterizing most of North American theater production. Over time, our male protagonist, um, aud audible by Derek Chan, becomes increasingly Chinese by learning multiple dialects, watching Asian movies and developing a deep appreciating, uh, appreciation for his long-lost heritage. He finds someone in the mall, affectionately but self-consciously named Soda Pop Ma, who agrees to teach him how to appreciate his roots. The playwright uses humor and self-mimicry to appease and possibly disarm the audience, placing the protagonist in stereotypical contexts and discourses. For example, pop culture music kits were played throughout the first part of the show, but the soundscape changed in the second part where the sounds of a never-ending meditative Buddhist um were projected over the loudspeaker. The male protagonist's identity was then related and rated on screen. The foreigner Chinese-ness is rated now at 85%. He says, I can feel my Chinese-ness growing. I've earned black belts in wushu, kung fu, wing chung, jeet kundo, and shaolin soccer. The humor was lost on audience members and audience released an audible laughter. Such self-congratulatory statements were followed by a cinematic fight scene in which the doll-like figurines sparred with warriors found in Wuxia, the particular martial arts film commonly produced by Chinese movie houses often distributed by the Western world for wide consumption. Often again, by gesturing towards a larger media frame or cinematic frame, which promotes but also commodifies the genre of wuxia, no foreigners transcends the limited representations historically afforded to performers of Asian heritage in the West. This self-objectifying is necessary for Asian Canadian artists working in theater and film, given their historical exclusion and misrepresentation within the larger Euro-American media frame. The subjective nature of characters and their feelings, flaws, and their desires to be socially accepted, or at least by the mall merchant, also paints multi-layered Asian-Canadian personalities that invite critical reflection and connection across real or perceived cultural difference. No Foreigners operates in radically new and interesting ways, often projected imagery and media technology to draw attention by audiences into a bilingual world that is simultaneously of the present, future, and past. In a humorous journey that subversively inter interrogates cultural expectations and stereotypes, the show is successfully in distancing its audiences from emotionally while asking them to identify with the characters as critically minded, sensitive, and self-reflexive characters. 
the most compelling and effective aspect of the production, I argue, is a shifting of the gaze from the stage to the space and to the screen, where actual dialogue and still figurines live alongside computer-generated imagery. The gesture fulfills the promise of the transmedia theater and its cultivation of performance language based in multimedia integration and intercultural performance in the 21st century. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Yuri, for this deep dive into No Foreigners. Yeah, uh, uh, a trip down memory lane and also a lot of things that uh, I hadn't considered uh, during rehearsals. <laughs> so um, thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, and uh, right now, uh, we're going to take another maybe like three minutes uh, for a transition to set up the next presentation. So hang tight. We'll be right back. Oh, actually, um, we have another plug uh, that's happening in the community. Jo uh, yeah, join the RAM. Yeah, thanks. OK. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, I don't know if anyone knows me here, that's okay. Uh, my name is Johnny Trin. I am the artistic director of Vancouver Poetry House. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the longest standing spoken word organization uh, on these lands right now. And I'm also the festival coordinator for Vancouver Asian Heritage Month Society. And yeah, so why do I have two jobs? I have no idea. But because um, we're poor in the city of Vancouver. Um, but I wanted to just give you a quick thank you for this opportunity to go do a quick plug. Um, on December 11th, we have uh, one of our first shows coming up for Vancouver Poetry House. And uh, intentionally and also as a gift, uh, it really features and hides a lot of um, powerful, amazing Asian voices. Um, and so the show's called Excerpts, and it's going to be at Presentation House Theater on December 11th at the Anmax Studio. It's kind of like a night of one acts of spoken word. And the first act is called Body Language, and a study of poetry in motion. It's very process driven, and we're working with uh, deaf poets, uh, hard of hearing poets, and uh, dancers, movers, media, and exploring the idea of, you know, what audience is listening to what, and how do we share that work. Uh, the second one is my own piece, uh, thanks for the Canada Council, called Quiet Kitchen, exploring queer Asian diaspora through food and storytelling. It'll also feature Chef Billy Nguyen from Top Chef, so that's going to be pretty exciting. And then the final piece, uh, the final one act is called um, Intergenerational from Anto Chan, based in Toronto. And um, that one explores Anto-Chan roots through a lot of different modalities of performance and media, mainly poetry. So it's really performance-based and really awesome. So please come out and check it out December 11th uh, at the Presentation House Theatre. And if you ever want to check out a poetry slam, we're on going to be, as of December 5th, at Community Pizza in East Van um, on Monday night. So we have a specialty pizza just for us, too. So come check that out. Uh, you can find tickets for excerpts at VancouverPoetryHouse.com. Thanks so much. Is that time? Thank you, Johnny. Uh, hope to see everybody there. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more content from Genesis. Tomorrow, Genesis returns home to Toronto, where you can join us at Factory Theatre, down in the studio where it all began. 
In the meantime, you can view our online content, including featured presentations, MH370, and yellow objects. And be sure to register for the very limited engagement of Window by Attempts, a Singapore arts company creating unique theatrical experiences. Those features and more are available at pocketconference.ca.